And, uh, and one of his lessons, he touched on the verses that I'm going to uh, share and it just brought that far, uh, thought back and I looked back and I had covered both uh, passages that I want to look at in this series. Uh, so let's come to the Word of God together and consider what the Lord Jesus has, through the Apostles has told us. So let's come to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just pray that as we saw in the Girls' Brigade leadership video, as Michelle shared with the girls, that heart challenge of letting you write the story of building our lives or writing our lives in a way that is pleasing to you in a way that brings glory to your name, in a way that bears your fruit in our lives. And so we just seek you this morning that you would speak to us through your word, uh, that you would help us to open our ears and, and hearts and minds to understand. And uh, like Jesus, as, uh, as he prayed in the garden, your will be done, not mine that you might have your way in us and bear fruit to your glory. Amen. So if you'd like to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to be looking from verses 10 to 23. According to the grace of God which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire and the fire itself will be test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work, if any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet as through the fire, through fire. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks that he is wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he may become wise." For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. For it is written, he is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows 
the reasonings of the wise that they are useless. So then let no one boast in men, for all things belong to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present to come, all things belong to you and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. Following major bushfires, the impact on the area is not only the devastation of the fire, but the next stage of rebuilding uh, involves building to new sets of codes. Uh, the rules are upgraded to make uh, houses more fireproof to be able to resist the next time a bushfire goes through. And for many of you in your life, there are different times of fires that you may remember. Uh, I have particularly uh, vivid memories of Ash Wednesday back in 1983 uh, in South Australia. We went through that area and worked in the fire area for many months after, for months afterwards. Um, shared many of the local farmers' stories of their survival and experiences of going through those bushfires. But see, fires have a devastating impact because they consume the building materials with devastating effect. This was a recent fire in downtown Sydney, a building that was being prepared for further renovations but was empty at the time. And uh, it was a 100-year-old building that uh, had timber floors. Once the fire took hold, it just exploded through the building and there wasn't much in that facade. A few minutes after that photo was taken, began to fall down and many parts of it. Um, that may bring back some memories too. We were climbed up near the, where that fire is. Uh, when we were in Paris and uh, St. Notre Dame Cathedral, again, timber, wood, burns. Uh, hundreds of years it stood there, but it burned uh, ferociously and uh, brought much of the edifice down. In Hebrews 12, 28 and 29, it says, Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken... Let us show gratitude, and that, by the way, is an, uh, another short series I'm thinking about, uh, a series on gratitude, by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. You know, we've so taught about the love of God that we forget that in His holiness... He is, as he describes, a consuming fire. Luke 12, 49, Jesus said this, and I wonder how many times, you, how many of you have memorized this verse? I suspect not many. I have come to cast fire upon the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. And of course, we read in uh, chapter 1 Corinthians 3, 12 and 13, now if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. 
You see, the Corinthians were boasting about their human leaders. They attributed to their mentors special wisdom and eloquence and then claimed that they too had this wisdom. They, yet characteristically, they were worldly and quarrelsome because they misunderstood both the message and the messengers of the cross. A few verses earlier, he had called this fractious congregation the temple of God. They are the ones among whom God, through the Holy Spirit, has chosen to dwell. And in chapter 3, in chapter 2, he speaks about the wisdom of this world compared with the wisdom of God. And in chapter 3, he uses three illustrations of the Corinthian church in verses 1 to 9. He compares them to immature children in verses 1 to 4, to workers on a farm in verses 5 to 9, and here in, in this section, he's comparing them to builders who are building a magnificent temple upon a sure foundation. And the first point that we need to note is that he tells them to build on the master builder's foundation. You see, they were building God's temple on the wrong foundation and with wrong materials and methods. They were relying on worldly wisdom and ways which would ultimately burn up when tested by fire. So we're to build on the right foundation. Verse 10, according to the grace of God which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Notice it's according to the grace of God. Paul was only in the position of leadership, of apostleship, because of God's amazing grace. God gave Paul the grace to do what he did, and so it is for any leader or believer. No man is anything except by the grace of Almighty God. And he says, as a wise master builder, that is a, a skillful, judicious, sophon is the word there, and then uh, builder is architectone, as you've got it there on the right, or architect. Following the great master builder's plan as the missionary church planter, Paul was careful to stick to the plan and lay the correct foundation. He carefully and diligently planned and laid a solid foundation. The footings were deep and would last. In Matthew 7, 24 to 27, we read, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and great was its fall. You see, Christ is the foundation as Gordon Fee says, by laying the foundation he did, Jesus Christ and him crucified, he was the truly wise master builder in contrast to the wise in Corinth who are building the church of totally uncongenial materials 
and are therefore in danger of attempting to allay another foundation as well. And he says another is building on it. Other teachers, Apollos and other ministers, further carried on that work of preaching the gospel among them. He says, I have planted, Apollos watered. And William Barclay notes, Paul is not here thinking of the building up of wrong things, but the building up of inadequate things. A man may present to his fellow men a version of Christianity which is weak and watered down. A one-sided thing that, which has stressed some things too much and others too little and in which things have got out of balance. A warped thing in which even the greatest matters have emerged distorted. In Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, it says this, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by ways and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness in deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and, t and held together by which every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. We're to be building the body. And by the way, this passage is speaking both corporately and, 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 and um, individually. We are to build our lives individually in the, in the right things, but we're to build the body in the same way in the right things. And what we do will be tested. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. Why? First, because the church belongs to God and they should be cautious what directions they give to it. Second, because it's important that Christians should not only be on the true foundation, but they should grow to maturity. And the church should be permitted to be seen in its true beauty and loveliness. Third, because of the corruption which results from worldly wisdom. Many a building has fallen because of poor or corrupt materials being used to cheat on the real cost of building. Also because every believer must give account for their part in building the body up from its foundation. And because there is no other true foundation. For no man can lay a foundation other than that which was laid, which is Jesus Christ. Christ is often called the foundation, the stone, the cornerstone on which the church is reared. And of course, we know that in Acts 4.12 it says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. John MacArthur notes that since there is only one foundation of the temple, namely Jesus Christ, there should be most careful and conscientious building upon it. But the context makes it clear that a broader and more inclusive application is also in mind. 
the numerous references to each man and any man indicate that the principle applies to every believer. All of us, by what we say and do, to some extent, teach the gospel. No Christian has the right to be careless in representing the Lord and his word. Every believer is to be a careful builder. We all have the same responsibility. Are you building on him? And with what materials are you building? What are you passing on to others that, that help to construct this holy temple? And so we're called to build with the right materials. Now, if any man builds the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire will test, uh, itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as through fire. You see, not only are we to be careful to build according to the master builder's plan on the apostles' foundation, but we are also to build with the best materials. In verses 12 to 17, Paul described three kind of builders. In verse... Uh, Verse 14, he speaks of the wise compared with the unwise. And the, uh, the unwise in verse 15 and the destructive in verse 17. As Thomas Constable says, in the, the building of the Corinthian church, durable materials were those that sprang, activities that sprang from reliance on Christ and him crucified the foundation. These works contributed to the permanent spiritual strengthening of the believers. The combustible materials were activities that rose out of human wisdom in all its forms. You might remember this image. The World Trade Center towers to 22, can you believe it's 22 years ago now? 9-11, uh, 2001, uh, yeah, 22 years ago. Human engineers built those to last, but they didn't anticipate the intense heat of jet fuel and the steel buckled and melted and the buildings came crumbling down. You see, the only work that will last and producing lasting works in the life of believers is that which is founded on the wisdom of God. As, six, uh, as James Roskamp notes this, that six materials in 1 Corinthians 12 are arranged to denote a descending scale by moving from a unit of three good qualities to a unit of three bad ones. The verse, pictures, the verse uses pictures to represent, represent what Paul calls work in verses 13 and 14. Paul's main point is to encourage building with quality materials that will meet God's approval and receive eternal reward. Are you living for and building with what is fireproof? 
That's, that's a key question as we come to this passage. What, what are you doing? And, and, and what, are the, what story are you writing, as the girl shared before? And are you letting the author of the story write, write it? Because the fire... Does it meet the master's code? And it matters because first it will be tested by fire. And second, because we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Many of you will learn that and memorized it and you've probably thought of it in reference to yourself. And that's true. But equally, it, 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 is, it is written to a church, the church in Corinth, a church that, that was far from building with the right materials, a church that, that needed a lot of correction to start to build with uh, uh, gold, silver and precious stones because they were building on worldly wisdom. If any man destroys the temple of God, so we're not thinking just about you as an individual now, we're particularly thinking about the corporate body, the, the visible body of the church of Christ. If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. All of us together are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the place where God dwells. We are the church of the living God where he makes his presence and power known. It's amazing that as immature and carnal as this local church, uh, the Corinthian church was, this contrary collection of individuals who make up this very disunited and disagreeable assembly of saints was, they are still considered a temple of the Holy God or a temple of the Holy Spirit. And the word for temple here is the word naos, the inner sanctum of the holy of holies. Think about it. how holy was the inner sanctum of the temple? The high priest could only go in there once, <laughs> once a year. And he had to have tassels on his robe in case God struck him down because he, he hadn't cleansed himself properly before the Lord. And he appeared presumptuously before God and they could pull his body out without profaning the temple. That, that's what we are. Have you ever thought about that? That's why our conduct within the body and, 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 and for one another in the body is so important because it's, a, it's the naos, the, the inner sanctum of the Holy of Holies. What are we building with? Is it materials that will be burned up? Throughout 1 Corinthians, it's amazing to observe that God's salvation, presence and gifts are not dependent on our maturity or obedience, but rather on his grace. <laughs> but it comes as a warning. Verse 17 says, don't tamper with the temple. Why? Because it's his dwelling place. Mind are the words said to Moses when God speaks to Moses and he appears before the burning bush and he says, take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. 
you know that that that's just an amazing thought to think how we conduct ourselves in in the gathering of this body and the assembling the called out ones of Jesus Christ it's holy ground because it's his dwelling place and it's a worship place the Corinthians were behaving as badly as the Sadducees and Pharisees who were ripping off the worshippers at the change tables. They squabbled. They got drunk during the Lord's uh, love feast. Some ate greedily and others went without. And it's a holy place. When he commanded the building of the tabernacle and then the temple, God said, sanctify it to me. I'm going to come and dwell there. It's going to be a holy place because I am holy. The temple was the place for his Shekinah glory to shine. How you live... And how you conduct yourself in the body can defile and become destructive to others and mar the witness of God's glory. Oh, how it must grieve the Spirit any time we act in a proud and partisan or uncaring manner. Building up some and tearing others down. How often is the spirit quenched because we fail to act with appropriate care and sensitivity toward others in the body who are members of the same temple of the Holy Spirit. As Doug Goins points out, in any given encounter with other believers, we are building spiritual permanence or spiritual instability depending on the source of the contribution. William Barclay said this to Paul, the church was the very temple of God because it was the society in which the Spirit of God dwelled. Well, as Origen later said, we are most of all God's temple when we prepare ourselves to receive the Holy Spirit. But you see, if men introduce dissension and division into the fellowship of the church, as Jude 1.19 says, these are the ones who cause divisions. Those who are worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. They destroy the temple in a double sense. They make it impossible for the Spirit to operate. Immediately, bitterness enters the church. Love goes from it. The truth can neither be spoken nor heard rightly in that atmosphere. Where love is, God is, but where hatred and strife are, God stands at the door and knocks and receives no entry. The very badge of the church is love for the brethren. He who destroys that love destroys the church and thereby destroys the temple of God. They split up the church and reduce it to a series of disconnected ruins. 
No building can stand firm and square if sections of it are removed. The church's greatest weakness is still its divisions. They too destroy it. The Corinthians were defiling the temple by their bickering and competing. By their neglecting the needs of others. They had allowed fleshly competition to defile their fellowship and they ended up treating each other no differently than any other non-believers in pagan institutions would. In fact, Paul has to say to them, even worse, in, in, in 1 Corinthians 5.1, it is actually reported that there is immorality among you and immorality of such as a kind does not even uh, exist even among the Gentiles or the pagans that someone has his father's wife. And he says, you are, yet you are proud of it. Now, we may not have uh, that particular example. I trust we don't. <laughs> but sometimes I feel Christians act in worse ways towards each other than many non-believers would tolerate. And it's done in the name of Christ. Sadly, all, all too often, with smug justification. But we are, in contrast, to build according to the Master's plan. We, we are to be careful to build according to the architect's plans and instructions as he intended, so we, we're to build on the right plan. In verses 18 to 20, it says, Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks that he is wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God, for it is written, He is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the reasonings of the wise, that they are useless. John MacArthur points out that much division in the church would be eliminated if individuals were not so impressed with their own wisdom. And I, I just want to add to that, we, we live in a terribly you know, uh, narcissistic age. I'm right. You've got to do it my way. And, and we have leaders that are totally narcissistic like that. I, I don't need to point out some to you, but I hope you, you're aware. But a person who thinks that he is wise in this age, that is wise in contemporary human wisdom, does nothing but deceive himself. Pride is always at the heart of human wisdom, the wisdom of this world, which is foolishness before God. It's difficult to teach a person who thinks he knows, already knows everything. You ever encountered that? Tried to teach someone who already thought they knew? Um, the Roman rhetorician Quintilian said of some of his students, they would doubtlessly have become excellent scholars if they had not been so fully persuaded of their own scholarship. A well-known Arab proverb goes, he who knows not and knows not that he knows not is a fool. Shun him. He who knows not and knows that he knows not is simple, teach him. We are to have a proper view of ourselves. As Paul says, let no man think more highly of himself that he, than he ought. That is, as he is in God's sight, and may he only see as God sees. 
And we're to build with the right motive. Verses 21 to 23, So then let no one boast in men. For all things belong to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas. And remember they were arguing, I'm a Paul, I'm a Apollos, I'm a Peter. No, I'm of Jesus. I'm really spiritual. Okay. Uh, or the world, or life, or death, or things present, or things to come. All things belong to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. That motive is the glory of God. One uh, pastor from Sydney, a message that I saw on this passage, uh, Richie Goodrich, said this, build the church on Christ, not people. Don't argue over who's the greater leader among you. If we are to boast of anything, let it be to speak of Christ, only of Christ and give him the glory. Paul's saying to the Corinthians, stop deceiving yourselves. Give up trusting in the wisdom of the world and begin to boast in God's wisdom. You see, all belong to each other because they belong to Christ. There should be no one in the body who considers themselves or someone else as indispensable. I remember hearing from someone uh, uh, someone here a long time ago saying, oh, if, if our family left, the church would fall apart. Ooh. By the way, they have left and it hasn't fallen apart. <laughs> Trust the Lord goes with them and continues building where they are. When we, when we do that, we have a prideful, twisted view of how the Holy Spirit works both corporately and individually. We're focusing on us and how well we perceive we are doing rather than looking to see how the Holy Spirit is working in and through the rest of the body and how we can be available to lay down our prideful pretensions and pick up the servant's towel to wash his other's feet. I want you to think about this for a minute. I think all of us have probably been there at some point. Oh, you know, so-and-so is pretty useless. The Lord's not doing anything in them. <laughs> Remember the old saying, when you point the finger, there's four fingers pointing back at you. <laughs> you, you see, we need each other. And it, there is no insignificant part of the body. And there is no great part of the body if God is mightily using someone. And I, I've shared it before, but I'll say it again. I love uh, the Don Francisco song. And sadly, Don Francisco has gone off on a tangent. But uh, one of his ballads, uh, he says, And if the Lord should use you, um, don't get too proud because he could use the dog next door if he wanted to. You know, thinking of Balaam's donkey. Steve Zeisler says this, the church of Jesus Christ is too valuable, bought with too great a price to allow competition and fleshliness to ruin it. Let each one of us also think of the temple that we are becoming 
and consider our influence among our brothers and sisters as we do so, let us give the Lord opportunity to put our thinking right again. That we might build with gold, silver and precious stones rather than wood, hay and straw. Let me ask you about this process of building the temple of the Holy Spirit in this church. What kind of workmanship and materials are you building into your brothers and sisters in this church? What do your ad attitudes add to the building up of this body? Have you invested in building materials that won't stand the test? Or are you giving the finest for God? You see, as we build one another up in, in this body of the temple of the Holy Spirit, we are ultimately building for eternity. We're not, not building for a temporal place here at this, this building and this location. We're actually building for eternity. And as Paul says, you can choose the material you use. Are you building with inferior materials or are you building with choice that will be burned up? Or are you building with choice materials on the foundation of Christ that will remain and bring with it reward? During the week we read this, uh, our daily bread, for those of you that get the our daily bread, you've probably heard this, but I, we thought it was particularly pertinent thinking about this uh, passage. From the spiral staircase to the expansive bedroom, from the hard room floors to the plush carpeting, from the huge laundry to the well-organised office, the real estate agent showed a potential home to a young couple. At every corner they turned, they raved about its beauty. You've picked the best place for us, this house is amazing. Then the real estate agent responded with something they thought a bit unusual, yet true. I'll pass along your compliment to the builder. The one who built the house deserves the praise, not the house itself or the one who shows it off. And the real estate agent's work, words echo the writer of Hebrews. The builder of a house has greater honour than the house itself, Hebrews 3.3. The writer was comparing the faithfulness of Jesus, the Son of God, with the prophet Moses in verses 1 to 6. Though Moses was privileged to speak to God face to face and to see his form, as in Numbers 12.8, he was still only a servant in the house of God, Hebrews 3.5. Christ as the creator, Hebrews 1.2 and 10, deserves honour as the divine builder of everything and as the son over God's house. God's house is his people. When we serve God faithfully, it's Jesus, the divine builder, who deserves the honour. Any praise we, God's house, receive ultimately belongs to him. Do you not know that your, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Are you building fireproof for things that will last? Let's just come before him in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, there is something for every one of us, for we are still a work in progress. 
We haven't yet reached that stage that Ephesians uh, 4 talks about of presenting every man mature, complete in Christ. We thank you that it is a work of your grace that we can be anything. That, 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 that it is a mind-blowing thing when we say, oh, your temple is a, a temple of the Holy Spirit. It's the inner sanctum. It's the holy place. It's the worship place. It's the place where you reside. And so, Father, as we build, not just physical buildings that may or may not stand a test of fires, but as we build the eternal dwelling place of God as part of his family, Father, we just really pray that you would have your way in each one of our hearts. Reveal to us where we have been building with wood, hay and stubble. Father, burn away those attitudes that build wrongly and work within to produce that work which is precious gold, that which we can build up one another. Amen.